0: From Filthy Luck Studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I'm Jim Warner, and you are listening to Citizen Light. In today's episode, we talk literary citizenship with Kathy Day. Kathy Day is the author of two books. Her most recent work is Comeback Season from Free Press. Her stories and essays have appeared most recently in Pank. Sports Illustrated, The Millions, North American Review, Ninth Letter, and elsewhere. She currently lives in Muncie, Indiana, and teaches at Ball State University, where she is currently serving as the Assistant Chair of Operations in the Department of English. Typically, in our programs, we end our conversations with a discussion of what literary citizenship means to our guests. For today's guest, it seems only appropriate to begin our conversation with a talk on literary citizenship.
1: When I first heard it from Denti Moore, who heard it from David Fenza, I don't know who came up with the term. I did not come up with the term. Some te- I just own the domain name, literary citizenship, so I can figure out what to do with it. So what does it mean? Um, initially what it meant to me was it was a term for uh, the kind of work that I saw a generation just a, a bit younger than me doing. I'm 48. And, um, when blogs and social media started to become more prevalent, I saw these younger writers, um, not just talking about their own work, but, um, embracing and, uh, sending out the good word about what other people were doing. And I immediately recognized that it was, um, a a kind of, it was a community and, I was like well I need to be my publisher said I need to be doing that kind of stuff so um I don't like I don't like the term networking I don't like the term platform um I'm a good midwestern girl and I like to think that you know my job is to be a helpful and kind person and so I'm like oh I can be online And increase my reach, I can uh, increase the chances that people might find my book, and I can do this by basically being who I naturally am, which is, like, a helpful person. So, um, and, and talking about my favorite subject, which is literacy, books, and the difference that those things can make in the world. So I don't, initially I thought of it, literary citizenship, as just a euphemism for networking and platform building, but now I think that um, I think that it is um, it's it's a way of living with intention, um, in the same way that people who do slow food or the tiny house movement or um, sustainability that part of what we need to be doing as writers is living with intention and trying to make sure that in a hundred years people will still be reading that there will still be a way for people to, um, to buy books, whatever, however we manage to be buying them, and just creating a better world for the world of books, and that that needs to be a part of, in a sense, our practice as writers. I've always um, had the last class of my uh, fiction workshops be how to send your workout. And I've done that for years and years. And then one year, um, this is when I was teaching at the University of Pittsburgh, I expand, I basically just bring out like all my um, submission letters, my rejection letters, just kind of show students how it works. My students were grateful, but they were always sort of like depressed to get that, like, oh God, I'm facing a horrible challenge right now. And then I said, well, maybe I should follow that up with uh, talking about literary citizenship. And my students left the room feeling like galvanized. I think that one of the problems with creative writing programs, the way that they uh, operate right now, is that we're very focused on the studio model. We're very focused on... Everybody who takes a creative writing class should know what it feels like to be a quote real writer that we're basically trying to produce like real writers and that's a that's a worthy goal but I also think that part of being a real writer is also not just how you write but how you think about uh, where you are in the world and what other things that you can be doing besides just writing to do that, like writing book reviews, like interviewing authors, like recommending books to people. We never really talk about that kind of work with our students because we're so focused on making sure that they know what a character arc is or whatever. I'm a big believer in trying to put more professionalization into creative writing programs, both at the undergraduate and the graduate level. And when I saw the term literary citizenship, I was like, aha. I can get my colleagues on board with the idea of literary citizenship and sneak in some professionalization stuff without necessarily calling it, you know, careers for creative writers or uh, how to become a content marketer with your creative writing degree or whatever. I have this phrase that I use a lot um, with my students, college is not an identity store, but we market college degrees as if they are. And so it's like, well, come to this school, take these classes, get this degree, you'll be a writer. It very rarely works that way. Very few students actually go on to be published authors and certainly not college professors. So how can we use our curriculum to point students in other directions, to identify themselves in other kinds of ways? And I think that to get your students to think of themselves as literary citizens when they go out into the world. It doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter if you end up working at, um, I don't know, you're selling cars or something. You're still um, able to go to readings, host readings, use your money to um, make the world a better place for books, donate money, um, so many things that could be done. But when they're so focused on, I've got to be a writer, and if I don't quote, be a writer, then I have failed and I think that that's just a a kind of silly way we've created this army of people out in the world and we need to encourage them to be doing all kinds of good work in the world. And so that's why I think that the class is really important. students do. One of the things they do is they learn how to create a blog um, and to for the first time I did it, they blogged weekly and it just about killed me because I had to grade all those and so I changed that. Um, but I want them to create an online presence. I want them to increase their, their social media reach, So that they are, um, when they do say something good about a book, that there are people out there who can find it and share it and they can do some good. So I kind of show them how to use hashtags. A part of it is getting them to change their attitude about social media as a personal kind of communication rather than a professional one. And that they resist that oftentimes so hard because for them, like... I've been, I've had better luck getting them to start using Twitter as a professional way of communicating, uh, Facebook to them is like kind of sacrosanct, but now maybe because of all the other stuff, like Snapchat and shit like that, maybe they'll just, they'll give up on trying to maintain their Facebook, you know, uh, Switzerland or whatever they call it. (laughs) Um, they learn how to do an author interview. They learn, like, how to write a book review. There aren't that many books out there about, like, how to write a book review. Like, structure it. And there's one, it's called The Slippery Art of Book Reviewing that I've found. And it's very simple, but and it really just shows them how to write kind of a publisher's weekly library journal kind of book review, not like an essay review, not like what you'd read in the New York Times book review or something like that. But that's what they need, even if all they do is—and then they have to publish their book review— they have to research markets they have to figure out where they would where they would try to publish it and i've had many students go on to publish theirs and even if it's just putting it on amazon to me that's a kind of good work that you could be doing with book reviews so what else do we do this semester i'm having my students learn how to write an art like a writer's statement it can become a statement of purpose if you go to an mfa program or it can be like the way you write about your work to get a grant or a fellowship those are very handy it's a very handy skill they have to go to literary events. I had a th- thing where I said, okay, part of your grade is you have to create and promote a, a literary event. Um, so, like, figuring out ways to make things happen, to be an active kind of literary citizen rather than just somebody who's like, oh, I just moved to this town and there's not much going on here, so I guess I'll just leave, or it's so lame here. Well, if it's lame, then it's so easy, like showing them how easy it is to sort of make something happen. So I tried to do that, and I want them to start creating and moving in the direction of the professional kind of work that they'd like to do. I've had really good luck... Uh, one student I remember Kylie uh, ended up getting a job as like the social media strategist for um, a shoe man like a shoe store big shoe store in Muncie and the way that she got it was because she's like yeah I learned how to use social media to tell my own story and the story of you know books and and ideas that I care about for Kylie her thing was she was really into fantasy and the way that it allows writers to be, not on the gender binary system, to have LGBTQI characters. So she blogged about it a lot and then made a connection with, like, her favorite author. And the author was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for writing this. And there's this thing that happens when students, like, get into the, the literary scene or the literary world is that it kind of causes their brains to kind of explode. It's like, you know, in The, in the Matrix, when they download the, like, how, to, to what's his name, Neo? Yeah. And they download how to do something, like, here, you're going to learn judo right now. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like, I think, when they finally realize that authors are not just, like, they don't just write books that they read for class, but that it's a world that they can actually really enter. And so I want to show students, especially who live in the middle of nowhere, How to find a tribe. They love each other because they have found their tribe in their major and in their classes. But I want them to start finding a tribe online. And how those online relationships can become real-life relationships in so many ways. I mean, everybody's got stories about how to do that.
0: We'll have more from Kathy Day after this break. Here's your Citizen Lit Community Bulletin Board highlights. Brought to you via the Creative Writers Opportunities List. To join the email listserv, visit the Career Writers Opportunities list at Yahoo Groups. Heavy Feather Review is excited to team up with the Antioch Writers Workshop in Dayton, Ohio to host a fiction fellowship to their summer workshop. All submissions must be sent via Submittable and must be previously unpublished. Submissions must be sent by the deadline on April 15th, 2017. Visit heavyfeatherreview.com slash aww for more details. The Southwest Review's annual contests are currently open. There's a $1,000 prize for the following categories. World's Best Short Short Story Contest, judged by Robert Owen Butler. Gerhard Poetry Prize, judged by Aaron Bellew. And a Narrative Nonfiction Prize, judged by Matthew Gavin Frank. The deadline for these contests is March 22nd. Visit southeastreview.submittable.com to submit. The Associates of the Boston Public Library is currently accepting applications for its 14th Writer-in-Residence. The program was created to provide an emerging children's author with the financial support and quiet space needed to complete one literary work. Eligible projects include fiction, nonfiction, a script, graphic novel, or poetry intended for children or young adults. The fellowship provides a $20,000 stipend and an office at the Boston Public Library in Copley Square from September 2017 through May of 2018. Applications must be postmarked by April 14. Visit writer.com in-residence.org to learn more about the program and past winners. Today's episode of Citizen Lit is brought to you by Midwestern Gothic. Submissions are now open for Midwestern Gothic's summer 2017 issue. Until March 31st, send your fiction, poetry, and creative nonfiction. Midwestern Gothic is looking for pieces that help paint a portrait of the Midwestern United States. Visit midwestgothic.com slash submit to send them your work. We now return to our conversation with Kathy Day.
1: You're doing another class now, and it's... um, Making a Literary Life. Yeah, so how does that differ from the Literary Citizenship class? Well, one of the things that I'm doing that's a little bit different is I'm making my students, like, go to the career fair. I'm making them apply for internships. I mean, I'm also doing, like, the book review and those other things, but I really want them... The thing I'm trying to instill in them is that the next thing that you do with your life, whether it is you're working in real estate, you're selling cars, you're working at a resort on their communications team, whatever, you can still lead a literary life and have money and have health insurance and not be broke and still be an authentic, real writer even if the job that you do is not necessarily related to the literary scene. Especially right now with the situation that we're in, I mean, who the hell knows what's going to go on with health insurance, the economy. I want my students to stop, this is a very controversial statement, but I feel that the problem, the the current creative writing program structure, curriculum structure, has created a logjam. It's created a revolving door where we take students and um, we basically are preparing them for MFA programs, and the MFA programs prepare them because they teach freshman comp. The MFA programs prepare them for teaching jobs that largely do not exist. Yesterday, in my um, at my AWP panel, you know, it was me, Mary Bedinger from um, Akron. Uh, Terry Kennedy, who runs the program at UNC Greensboro, and Porter Shreve, who ran the program at Purdue for many years. I was like, so how many of your former students have gone on to tenure-track positions? How many? And I have one. And I think Terry said he could 10 max, and Porter said, from Purdue, none. If that is our measure of success, then we're obviously not being successful. And if the jobs aren't there then what can we do to start pointing students in some other directions? I feel like that it's true that anybody could take get an MFA and do anything with it. And you could go to the Career Center and read a couple books on like how to market yourself and how to think about careers and stuff like that, and you could figure it out. But what, what happens is that we are so invested, in a sense, replicating ourselves as faculty. I mean, I've had to work so hard... To understand what what are the other jobs that students could do, to educate myself and point them in those directions, because I've never had any other job other than doing exactly what I do right now. I've had to do that. So, try to get all however many thousand teachers, who, people who teach creative writing, to learn something completely outside their wheelhouse is like that's like asking for a miracle. I mean, to be quite honest. That's the thing you have to ask yourself, why do you think that your professors in a creative writing program can help you do a better resume? Like we don't have those, we really don't have those skills. I mean, every school has a career center and they're more than happy to help people do all kinds of things. The trick is, is that you have to get your students to understand that going there is not a sign of defeat. And um, that we have to, in a sense, I hate to use this word, we have to valorize other kinds of paths, professional pathways. Um, and I don't know any other way to do that other than to either have classes in the curriculum that are required or definitely offered that, that do that kind of work or have people in a department that you can go to that have that knowledge of, how a creative writing or English degree can translate. And that's kind of what I've been working. I'm the assistant chair of, of the English department at Ball State now. And I'm technically like the intern coordinator. So I've been working a lot with the Career Center. Um, I created this, um, it's like a speaker series called Stars to Steer By. And as we get to know our alums and we see somebody doing something interesting out in the world, first we ask them to do a blog post and tell us, like, how did you figure out what to do with your degree? And then we invite them to come back and try to get students to go so that they can have, quote, more stars to steer by, to steer their ship by. Like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Maybe I could do that. And then kind of follow that path. The real problem, I think, is that we don't talk about all the things that you can do with a degree. And so students, they see us. And so they want to be us. We don't necessarily consciously replicate ourselves. We don't, but this is exactly why I became who I am. I was a first-generation college student. I wanted to be a writer. I had no idea how one became a writer, and then I went to college, and I met my first real writers, and they were my college professors. I was like, oh, okay, so that's what you do. But I came of age at a time when it's just luck, really, Um, when many colleges were um, adding creative writing positions for the first time. And what we've done is we've we've populated the United States with these awesome programs that do awesome things for, for young people, and we've created this, this small army. The, the way I see it is that that small army is, we have to start focusing their attentions in a variety of directions, and that's why I think adding literary citizenship to programs would do so much to sort of make something like that happen. It's a way to kind of talk about both its intrinsic value, but also its extrinsic value as well. We're very much invested in our tradition of creative writing as this the pure study of the making of art. And um, I love that. That's that's the tradition that I come out of. But I didn't go $100,000 in debt to get my degree. We live in a world where those students are saddled with enormous amounts of debt. Now that I've been in the position to market our creative writing program, our major, both to current students at Ball State and then to students outside of Ball State, I also worked when I was at Pitt, like I helped develop their first, like, kind of comprehensive um, website to market the program. What I realized is that. The way that you get people to major or to apply to a program is you have to tap into their dreams. If their dream is to be a writer, then you say, come here and be a writer. You don't say to somebody, you don't say like, well, your dream is to be a writer, but you're probably not going to succeed at that. And so we're going to prepare you for multiple outcomes that is what you don't want to hear when you're applying. You want to hear that when you're there and you've been there a year. You know, so many students, when I say, you need to go to the Career Center, they're like, why? Because that, then I will have failed. Because their identity is so bound up in being the one thing. I guess that's why I think my class is really, like, I call it identity work. I think that My favorite way of being a literary citizen is to to mentor and to encourage, to champion. One of the things I realized with my first book was that there were these people that championed it and made it go into the world and do good things. And we all need those champions. Um, So, like, when I have a a student that, or uh, I meet somebody that I think is saying really important things, I write to them and say, I think that you should try to publish. Like, I went to a panel yesterday and heard this woman talk about this amazing class she teaches and I'm like, you should publish whatever you just wrote down. I write letters for them. I try to introduce them to my agent. I try to help them in a kind of, it's more a behind the scenes kind of thing. I suck at writing book reviews. I suck at like author interviews and stuff like that. I just think that, for me, literary citizenship is about trying to champion individuals who I think are talented and help them find their way in the world, and that's, I don't know, that's probably the main thing I try to do.
0: Join the conversation with Citizen Lit. Like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at CitizenLitCast. Like what you hear on the episode? Subscribe, rate, and review us on Stitcher and iTunes. Have a scene to report on? Want a recorded audio review? Email us at CitizenLitCast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Kathy Day, Ball State University, Allison Joseph, and AWP. Additional music for today's episode is brought to you by Little Class Men. Our theme music comes from the late Great Bedford. More information on the program is available at citizenlitcast.com. Aubrey Cox is our executive producer, Jensen Williams is our graphic designer. I'm your host, Jim Warner, and you've been listening to Citizen Lit.